0: Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai, Anantakoti Vaishnava Rindaki Jai, Namacharya Shri Maharidas Thakur Ki Jai, Prem Shri Kaho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nitananda, Shri Adoy Tigadadhar Shri Gaur Bhakti Rindaki Jai, Shri Radhakrishna Gogopina, Shai Makunda, Radha Kunda, Gidi Govardhanaki Jai, Rindavan Dhamma Ki Jai, Mathura Dhamma Ki Jai, Navadrip Ki Jai, Jagannath Puri Ki Jai, Gangamayi Jamuna Devi ki jai, Bhakti Devi ki jai, Tulsi Maharani ki jai, Samaveta Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya. Krishna Prasthaya Bhutalei Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namaste Sarasvati Devi Gauravani Pacharane Nirvase Susunyavadi Paskajade Satarane. Vandevam Sri Guru Sri Yuta Pada Kamalam Sri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagvijatam Sahagana Ravinatam Vittamstam Sajivam Sadvoitam Sadvidutam Parichana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lavita Sri Vishakam Vittamstha Bunch of Papa Tubish Chaku, person to be able to put it to numb Pavani, will rise from baby moonlight. Om Nemo Bagavate Vasudevaya. Om Nemo Bagavate Vasudevaya. Om Nemo Bagavate Vasudevaya. of January, twenty twenty-three, Hillsboro, North Carolina. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto Ten, Chapter Forty-One, Text Forty-Two. Tasya prasano Bhagavan. Tasya prasanno Bhagavan. Pradarswarupa Matmana. Pradarswarupa Matmana. Shri Amcha Paramloke. Balaisvara With him, Satisfied. Satisfied, Bhagavan, Satisfied. the Supreme Lord, Lord. Pradat, granted, granted. Sarupyam. Sarupyam, the liberation of having the same form, the the same form. Atmanaha. Atmanaha, as himself, as himself. Shriyam. Shriyam, opulence, opulence. Cha. Cha. And. Cha, and Paramam, Aram. Supreme. Loke, in this world, Bala, physical strength, Aishvarya, influence, Smriti, strength of memory, Indriyam, dexterity of the senses, PBT translation. Pleased with the weaver, the Supreme Lord Krishna blessed him that after death he would achieve the liberation of having a form like the Lord's and that while in this world he would enjoy supreme opulence, physical strength, influence, memory, and sensory vigor. So let's read Prabhupada's purport from the Krishna book. Prabhupada gives the verse and then purport here in Krishna book. Krishna was very much pleased with the tailor and gave him the benediction of Swarupya Mukti, which means that after leaving his body, He would be liberated and would attain a four-handed body exactly like that of Narayana in the Vaikuntha planets. Krishna also granted him that as long as he would live, he would earn sufficient opulence to be able to enjoy sense gratification. So that's Prabhupada's translation of the verse, and here's his commentary. By this incident, Krishna proved that those who are Krishna-conscious devotees will not be lacking material enjoyment of sense gratification they will have sufficient opportunity for such things, but after leaving this body, they will be allowed to enter the spiritual planets of Vaikuntaloka or Krishna Loka, Goloka Vrindhava. Right, I'm going to turn to Commentary Vishnu Chakravati Krishna was very happy, so he immediately blessed the weaver with dexterity, the senses, memory, power, and strength. After death, he would obtain the spiritual body of a cowherd. And Sanatana Goswami's Jeevas and Sanatana is the same. We're just going to read Sanatans. The Lord especially gave pra him, tasya, a spiritual form like his own, swarupyam. The possessive case is used, tasya, instead of the dative case, tasmai, to show that the weaver was qualified for obtaining a spiritual form and planet because of his bhakti. In this life, loke, the weaver would obtain the greatest wealth, strength, power, memory, and strong senses. What to speak of his next life? Or he gave him these blessings in the presence of others, loke. The prefix pra very much indicates that he gave a special form, that of a cowherd, atmanha. He would have opulence greater, shriyam padamam, than that of Brahma. The word cha indicates that he also got the highest powers altogether at once in the matter of kukja. This was possible because Krishna is Bhagavan. Tasya prasano bhagavan swarupa apmana sriyam cha padaman Pleased with the weaver, the Supreme Lord Krishna blessed him that after death, he would achieve the liberation of attaining a form like the Lord's and that while in this world he would enjoy supreme opulence, physical strength, influence, memory, and sensory vigor. We will just note very briefly that uh, the way Prabhupada interprets getting the, a form like his own and the way Vishnu and Thakur and Sanatana Jiva interpret that is a little different. And Prabhupada's uh, explaining it as being in Vaikuntha, and uh, Jiva, Sanatana, Vishnu, Chakravati Thak, are explaining it as being a coward. And the, uh, our, the various Acharyas will have different opinions on different things. It's not that one has to be right and one has to be wrong. So it's just a little side note. So when I read things like this, and I remember when I first read it in Krishna book with regard to, it must have been both a tailor and a weaver, <laughs> Must have been a tailor because he took the clothes from the dyer, the washerman and the dyer, and made them the cloth and made it into clothes. So that's what a tailor does. But he must also have been weaving cloth. So when I read this benediction, and then the next few verses are going to go on to the florist, who gets a very similar benediction that you get to go back to Godhead, plus you get all full enjoyment in the material world. My initial response to this is, yeah. Do you feel that way? Like, yeah, that's what I want. I want to go back to Godhead. Plus, I want to have all enjoyment in this world. Right? And Prabhupada says there in Krishna book that this is what happens. When Krishna is pleased with you, you get to go to the spiritual world. Plus, you get everything in this world. You get good health and strength and money and influence and beauty and strong senses. Who else got a benediction like this? You get to go back to Godhead plus full facility in this world. Dhruva. Dhruva. Yeah. Who else? Sudama the florist. Yes. No, the, the, the oh the Brahmana. Sudama. Yeah. Of course that was interesting why Krishna gave him that benediction. Yes. So Sudama the florist who we we're about to meet and Sudama his friend. Others. Prahladmar, the Prachetas, and there's many, many examples like this. And of course there are demigods who are pure devotees who get to enjoy material opulence thousands of times more than we have on this earth planet and also go back to Godhead. What to speak of Lord Brahma, who often goes back to Godhead and gets great opulence. And so we're like, yeah, that's what I want. Right? And what about all the examples given in Shastra on a theoretical basis, we have a practical basis. This tailor-weaver, he gets that. The florist gets that. Dhruva gets that. And then there's all these examples in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, if you perform yajna, then the demigods will be pleased and you'll get liberation plus you'll be happy in this world. Yeah? And it's, it's a general principle. Prabhupada, in his Krishna book, is talking about a general principle. The more Krishna conscious a society is, the more material happiness will be there also, like in former ages, when more people were Krishna conscious. And in the beginning of the of Satya Yuga, you didn't even need agriculture. You could just collect fruits and vegetables and from the trees... And the ground, the jewels were coming out of the ground. The weather was always nice all over the planet. You didn't even need government. There was no crime. There was just no need for government. The earth was providing everything you needed and there was no crime. And the higher planets, the more that they're Krishna conscious, the more material facility they have, correct? This is, it's like that. The, there's a problem though that this concept, which is Shastrik, it's not that it's not Shastrik, it's Shastrik, that Krishna consciousness will give you spiritual prosperity. Here he's getting spiritual prosperity, he's getting Svarupya Mukti, he's getting this liberation of having a form like the Lord and material prosperity, it leads to something that's been called since the 19th century, the prosperity gospel. So we're going to look at this this problem with the prosperity gospel, and we're going to look at what's a material solution and what's a spiritual solution. So the prosperity gospel says there's a one-to-one correspondence between being a religious person and being prosperous in the world. And that even you can judge how spiritual someone is by how materially prosperous they are. Now, I, I told this story several times many, many years ago. It was here in North Carolina, but when we lived here previously. I took a devotee to the hospital at 6 in the morning on a Sunday morning to get some surgery. And while we were in the waiting room, they were, the television was playing, and it was one of these what they call televangelists, and the guy's going on and on and on about how if you just serve Jesus, you're going to become rich. And especially if you serve Jesus by giving money to Jesus' servants. Now again, shastrically that's true. How much money we have in this life is directly related to how charitable we were in previous lives. And if you give charity to a... Quali- the more qualified the recipient of your charity the more money you get in your next life. So that's true, and if you give to a Vaishnava, you get back unlimited, so the principle's true. But he's sitting there saying, you know, just send me $5, and then I will send you a blessing handkerchief to put under your pillow, and when you, when you wake up in the morning, you will be rich. <laughs> and I saw some time ago an expose on these people where, you know, they would tell poor people to max out their credit cards and send them all the money they got from their credit cards with the idea, you know, if you give it to me and I'm a preacher, I'm a devotee of the Lord, then you'll get millions of dollars. And they would say, look at me. I have a $630 million private jet. And you can get that too. Right? And of course, uh, they're, they're cheating. So this prosperity this prosperity gospel, it leads to cheating, particularly cheating of poor and vulnerable people who will, you know, go bankrupt. Literally, they'll, they'll bankrupt themselves and they'll give everything to these other cheaters. But it also leads to a lack of faith because we see that you can be a very religious person and you can be poor and ugly and sickly and your family falls apart and you're in a war zone, Right? We, we see this practically. I remember my stepmother saying to me, why should I be religious? Religious people suffer just as much as anybody else. What's the point? And so people lose faith. And we've seen this in our Hare Krishna movement. I've seen this with people very close to me. I've seen this in myself. You know, I remember being extremely ill and and. And saying, Krishna, you know, I'm following the principles, I'm chanting my rounds, I'm coming to Mangalartik, I'm only eating prasadam, why aren't you giving me a healthy body? What's wrong with you? What happened to our contract? I thought we had a deal here. You don't seem to be holding up your end of the bargain. I remember saying that after a year or so of movement. And, you know, I've met people like this. They ticked all the boxes. You know, I know people who grew up in the Hare Krishna movement, never broke the regular principles, always ate prasadam, they get initiated, they're chanting, they're following everything, and then there's some catastrophe in their life. Something happens. They lose their job. Their spouse is a cheater. And their life falls apart. And then they say, what's the use of this Krishna consciousness? I was a good person. So it, it, this prosperity gospel, it leads to a lack of faith. It leads to cheaters who take advantage of this to try to say that material prosperity equals spirituality, and it leads to people losing their faith. Which is interesting, because we have statements like Prabhupada made in the Krishna book that seem to apply in equivalence. Now, it is true that when Krishna is pleased with a jiva he gives them material and spiritual prosperity. But what's his priority? What's Krishna's priority? The material prosperity or the spiritual prosperity? The spiritual prosperity. And if Krishna sees that the material prosperity is interfering with the spiritual prosperity, he may throw that out the window. And even... Krishna has a priority over spiritual prosperity. Spiritual prosperity would be the four kinds of Vaishnava liberation, one of which this uh, tailor uh, weaver is getting. What's a higher priority even than the four kinds of liberation? What's Krishna's highest priority? Love. So if Krishna sees that even spiritual liberation is going to be an impediment to love, he may say to his servant, please come to the material world, birth after birth, to serve me. Because Krishna wants the highest welfare for the living entity. And there's a place, I didn't have time to look it up, but there's a place where, where, you know, there's that verse where Krishna says, if I really favor someone, I take everything away. I remove their material prosperity. But Prabhupada says higher than that is if Krishna sees that you can use your material prosperity without damaging your spiritual life. Where you can use it in a way that enhances your spiritual life. So Krishna has his top priority is love. The main thing that Krishna wants to give his devoted servant is love. And if that servant has love he's happy also to give them spiritual prosperity. And if they can use things in Krishna's service, then he's happy to give them material prosperity. Of course, the result of understanding what I just said is that when we look at our lives and see some lack of material prosperity, we have to come to this funny thing called humility. And say, I guess I don't have this because I couldn't use it properly. I remember years ago there was a devotee here in the community who needed some dental work. It wasn't covered by insurance. And I went around to the devotees and I collected the money to pay for this devotee's teeth. And when we gave the money to this devotee to get his teeth fixed, he wrote, I am going to make sure I always use my mouth and my teeth in Krishna service. I'm only going to eat and speak. And I'm thinking, you know, that might be actually hard to do. Right? It's not so easy. We might think, well, when I get money, I'm going to just use it for Krishna. If I get fame, I'm just going to use it for Krishna. I mean, I hope this devotee actually follows through with his determination. You know, if if I get beauty, I'm only going to use it for Krishna. If I get strong senses, I'm only going to use it for Krishna. We might think like that. I was thinking about how young people, you know, if you offend a, a young person, which I did, I offended a young person, And she wanted me to promise that I would never offend her again. And I I can't do that. I said, what I can promise is if you feel that I've offended you and you tell me, then I can fix it right away. And that wasn't good enough. And I thought, as you get older, you find that it's very difficult to say, I promise I'm always going to use this problem. And so some humility... If Krishna is not giving me something, it's because he sees that it will damage my spiritual prosperity. We had a, a godbrother whose parents ran the Playboy Enterprise. And they were, they were very rich. You remember him, right? Chicago. And uh, his parents got killed together in a plane crash, and so he immediately became a multi-millionaire, and he also immediately gave up Krishna consciousness. We also had a godbrother who, at a very young age, in his 20s, he was diagnosed as having a terminal heart disease. And he was newly married, his wife was pregnant, but he went to Prabhupada Prabhupada, I've been diagnosed with this terminal heart disease. And Prabhupada said, Okay, I will initiate you into Babaji and just go and chant all day, go to the holy dom, prepare for death. So he did that, and then his parents contacted him and said, The doctors have actually found a cure. So then he left being the Babaji and left Krishna consciousness and decided that he was going to be more interested in having a healthy body. So it may be hard to admit that if Krishna gave me the benediction that he gave to this tailor that it might be difficult for me. I might become illusioned. I might become enamored. I might use things improperly. I was talking to this one Indian gentleman yesterday who's... Uh, parents and sister are all initiated devotees but he's been very hesitant it turned out his main hesitancy was becoming vegetarian but I was saying to him that the main thing that we have, he was saying a long time before he would tell me what he was attached to, he said you know, I just don't want to let go, I don't want to let go and I said well the only thing you have to let go of is pride and I explained how meat eating was connected to pride so we may not want to admit that, well, the reason that Krishna hasn't given me you know, perfect health and perfect wealth and perfect beauty and perfect influence and all this is because I'm an idiot. And if I had those things, I'd go, oh, thank you, Krishna, see you later. Right? So Krishna is putting a priority. All right, now materially speaking, how is it that people try to become happy? One of my favorite um, sections in Prabhupada's books is the preface in Nectar Devotion. And Prabhupada writes, Every service has some attractive feature which drives the servitor progressively on and on. Every one of us within this world is perpetually engaged in some sort of service, and the impetus for such service is the pleasure we derive from it. That force which drives the philanthropist, the householder, and the nationalist is called rasa, or a kind of relationship Whose taste is very sweet. So we're all trying to get happiness. We're all trying to get some sort of opulence. I mean, the whole reason that we want these different kinds of opulences is so that we can enjoy rasa, isn't it? We're thinking if I get what was mentioned today—Shri, Aishvarya, Bala instead of Virya, Bala was mentioned instead of Gan. Smriti was mentioned. So why do we want these different opulences? Because we want to enjoy rasa. So the way that a materialist thinks, a a, a good materialist, not a criminal, but the way a materialist thinks is, I'm going to do dharma. I'm going to do my duty. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be righteous. Or even if they're not religious, they think, you know, I'm going to be a good citizen. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to follow the laws. I'm going to take care of my family. And from that, I'm going to get artha, artha in the form of these things. I'm going to get beauty, I'm going to get followers, I'm going to get influence, I'm going to get strength, I'm going to get intelligence. And from all those things, I'm going to get kama, I'm going to get pleasure, I'm going to get rasa, I'm going to get some kind of a taste. Correct? Is that how the world works? I'm going to work. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my duty, and from that, I'm going to get these different kinds of opulences, and from that, I'm going to enjoy. rasa, I'm going to enjoy taste, but the material taste is not very satisfying, isn't it? Material taste is disappointing. Am I correct? Everybody here is convinced of that, right? Do I need to convince you? It's disappointing, and it gets boring. I always give the example, you know, you have your favorite food, whatever it is, pizza, and you eat pizza for breakfast and pizza for lunch and pizza for dinner and pizza for breakfast and pizza for lunch and pizza for dinner and pizza for breakfast and pizza for And it gets boring. Eventually it gets even revolting. Why is it that, that over half of the murders in the world are between intimate partners? I mean, that's awful. That's what happens to material rasa. It gets boring, or it even gets revolting, and it doesn't satisfy us because it's not us. It's not touching the soul. It's temporary. It's full of misery, and it doesn't touch the soul. So then we go to moksha. We oh, let me be liberated. Let me be finished with this. Let me divorce my spouse let me quit my job, let me move to another country, let me join a liberation movement, or you know, let me become enlightened. But that's not satisfying. You divorce your spouse and then you're lonely, or you look for a new spouse, you quit your job and then you get another job. You quit, go to another country you find their government isn't any better. You merge into the Brahmin and then you come back down looking for relationships. And I know of a number of contemporary stories like that of people who became Brahmin realized and then said, actually, you know, even though this is amazing, I think I want to go back to my relationships. And then again you do Dharma. And then again you try to get this prosperity. And again you try to taste some rasa. And again you become frustrated. And there's this cycle of frustration. Yes? But if that's all you know then one becomes very determined in this cycle. I just know like a hamster on a wheel. And one may think, well, I I just know if I just go a little further on in this cycle, then I'm going to actually be happy. So one has various kinds of determination in this cycle of frustration. And Krishna explains this in chapter 18, verse 33 to 35. I'm going to read them in reverse order. So one determination is dreaming, fearfulness, lamentation, moroseness, and illusion. Ta-da! So that's under Thomas, under Mr. Thomas. So when a person says, I'm going to go through this, I'm going to do Dharma, and I'm going to get prosperity, and then I'm going to be happy, but they're influenced by Thomas, then they just sit around thinking about it. Someday I'm going to go to law school, someday I'm going to find a beautiful spouse, Someday I'm going to do this. And maybe they start something and then they stop, and they start something and then they stop. You know, and they just end up watching Netflix all day and drinking beer. Yeah, I'm going to do that someday. They never even really get to the Dharma part of the program. <laughs> Therefore, there's not much happiness at all. And then there's those influenced by Mr. Roger. That determination by which one holds fast the fruit of results in religion, economic development, and sense gratification is of the nature of rajas. So that's if one sees the result. If one sees, well, if I work hard, I'll get this prosperity, and then I'll get rasa. And as long as it looks very clear, then you work hard. And as long as you think, eh, it's not going to work, then you just give up. If you think, yeah... I tried this, I tried it, I worked hard, I got the prosperity, I didn't enjoy, it was all useless. Then you don't have any determination. Your determination is very motivated by whether or not you're going to get some external result. Alright, then those who are influenced by ego in sattva, determination which is unbreakable, sustained with steadfastness by yoga practice, and which thus controls the activities of the mind, life, and senses. So a person influenced by sattva. They don't give up. They're like, I'm going to do dharma even if I don't get the rest. And I'm going to then get liberated from this world even if it's not satisfied. I don't care. Success, failure, happiness, distress, I'm going to be happy inside by my sense of doing dharma. But none of these people, whether they're influenced by Mr. Raja or Mr. Thomas or by Mr. Sattva, they're all stuck in this cycle of frustration. So what is the spiritual solution? So the spiritual solution is again to realize there's something beyond even moksha, even Vaishnava moksha, that we make our priority Krishna's priority. Why does Krishna prioritize Vaishnava moksha over material prosperity and prema over Vaishnava moksha. Why does he prioritize that? Because he knows that that's what's going to give us the greatest satisfaction. pratita yad supersediti. He knows that the only thing that's going to give us full satisfaction is love. And that's what Prabhupada says a little further on in the preface. Marking up my books. Hmm. The basic principle of the living condition is that we have a general propensity to love someone. No one can live without loving someone else. This propensity is present in every living being. Even an animal like a tiger has this loving propensity, at least in a dormant stage, and it is certainly present in the human beings. The missing point, however, is where to repose our love so that everyone can become happy. That missing point is Krishna. And the nectar devotion teaches us how to stimulate our original love for Krishna and how to be situated in that position where we can enjoy our blissful life. So Krishna knows that what will really satisfy us is not even some kind of spiritual liberation where we have a form like the Lord, where we have opulence like the Lord, where we live on the same planet as the Lord, but what will really satisfy us is love. So the spiritual solution is we make that our priority. We make loving Krishna our priority. And determination fueled by love is higher than determination fueled by sattva. Determination fueled by tamas is just, you know, empty promises and dreaming with a little bit of effort here and there. Determination fueled by Rajas is very dependent on whether or not one thinks one's going to get the sense-gratifying result that one imagines. Determination fueled by Sattva is, is based on this sense of inner rightness. And determination fueled by love. Can you think of when you had determination fueled by love? When you loved somebody? Hopefully we've all loved somebody. Maybe we had intense romantic love for somebody, love for a child, love for a parent, maybe it was even love for an animal, maybe it was love for a cause. What happened when we were fueled by love? Could anything break our determination? Nothing. Right? There's that song when I was a kid, Ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, big. That's actually, of course, that's not true in mundane love, absolutely, but, but that's the mood, isn't it? And when I have love as my source of determination, then I'm not interested in dharma, artha, kama, or moksha. I have this prema, pumarta, maha. And then my faith isn't shaken, as Krishna says in 620, even in the midst of greatest difficulty. Then it doesn't matter to me whether Krishna gives me spiritual prosperity, what to speak of material prosperity. It, It becomes irrelevant. If Krishna gives me spiritual liberation, wow, a nice opportunity to serve Krishna. If he gives me money and influence and fame and beauty and health and strength, okay, that's a nice impetus to serve Krishna, a nice facility I can use in Krishna's service. But I can serve Krishna in any situation. Service to Krishna is a ahoitukiyapritita. It's not affected by these things. It doesn't matter whether you're a cancer-ridden cripple, you know, alone in a nursing home with no one to love you and no one to know your name, or whether you're the king of the universe. It doesn't matter. Love is not dependent on such. And when we make our priority the same as Krishna's priority, the chances are he will bless us with these other things, but it doesn't matter if he does or not. It doesn't matter to us. It's not what's motivating us, it's not our source of faith. Now, this, just this morning and yesterday, the class I was listened to by Prabhupada and Bhagavad Gita, he was saying, we already know how to do bhakti. It's just a question of changing the object. So we already know how to be attached. We already know how to love. We just have to change the object to Krishna. It's not that, that bhakti is a whole different process from what anybody else does in the world. It's just we're doing it to please Krishna. And it's, it's quite interesting. You know, I've talked a lot lately in the basic verse about what is pure devotional service and how the most important is anul kumyana, to want to please Krishna. But the first part is also very important. Because we don't want to be pleasing Krishna for the purpose of getting something from him. You know, in this world, I try to please Krishna, I try to please people because of what I think they can do for me. I'm thinking, well, if I please this person, then they'll give me something that I want, right? If I displease them, then may, they may not give me what I want. So it's not just wanting to please Krishna. Krishna. But Anya bilasi tasunya, wanting to please Krishna for the joy of feeling in love with Krishna. Therefore, Krishna says to the gopis, "I am not going to try to repay you, but let your love itself be the repayment." And isn't that a fact? I mean, even in mundane love, that feeling of being in love is itself the reward, is, is itself the rasa. And that is what, what we mean by rasa. That feeling of, I love my master, I love my friend, I love my child, I love my beloved. That, that is what we mean by this rasa. So that's what you, we should be aiming for. The joy of just being in love with Krishna, the joy of serving Krishna—not so Krishna will give me something, not so He'll do something for me—but just because that is my intrinsic, constitutional position to be overwhelmed with love, and that is the highest experience of rasa. So, questions, comments? Yes, ma'am. What about when we raise money for a temple? We say if you buy this block or brick or something like that, then you will get a place in the spiritual world or you become fortunate in this world like that. Samara so is saying, what about when we use these sort of benedictions to get people to give money? <laughs> um, it's all over the Shastra. I mean, there's all these follows, there's all these benedictory verses, right? Uh, this one devotee asked me yesterday, why are you preaching about career dharma? I say, because if you go to people and say, would you like to love God, there's not many people that are interested. But if you go to people and say, how would you like to have a career according to your nature that gives you exactly the kind of prosperity that you want, everybody would sign on to that. So there's this inducement given because initially we're not going to just say, yeah, sign me up for love of God. That's the reality. Shilaprabhupada Keej. will <laughs> come